You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On a Thursday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast, we're going to break down Utah versus Oregon and how the stats tell us a story. Is that enough for Oregon to fight back and overcome what Utah did? We'll mix in a little bit of a conversation about scheme, statistics, how they intermingle, and what it takes to really uh, bounce back and get, uh, if you're Oregon, get a win against Utah. If you're Utah, beat a team twice, even though we've heard all week long that it's really tough to do that. Maybe it's not so much about it being tough as it is. It's really, really hard to match up the personnel on for one team versus the other. We'll also talk about a little bit of recruiting updates as Utah is starting to close uh, close out the 2022 class. The early signing day is coming up soon, and we'll give you some leads and some updates on a couple local recruits specifically. Uh, one local recruit, I should say. And uh, some updates on some a recent commitment and a very long-term commitment that Utah fans should be very familiar with by this point. And lastly, we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about basketball. Uh, just enough to get it over the hump as uh, the Utes just did not uh, have enough uh, either both uh, effort or players in Jersey to get it done in Southern California. All that on a Thursday episode of the Locked on Utes podcast for December 2nd, 2021. Utah friends and family and happy Thursday here on the Locked on Utes podcast. Thank you as always for making Locked on Utes your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. The holidays are around the corner and finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter college into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. We are free. We are available on all platforms. We are here for your bar mitzvahs and happy birthdays. Also, uh, special thank you to everyone who told me who Jimmy Hoffa was. Very important information. It always uh, surprises me the things that people glean uh, from the podcast. Apparently, Colin Clark Phillips and Muscle Hamster, also a big hit. Apologies to Doug Martin. I understand that that's probably a trademarked nickname by now. Um, today's episode... Uh, it's just me flying solo. It, it, we are in a very bizarre time right now in terms of who is where and what's going on. Uh, most of my co-hosts are either on the road to Las Vegas right now or on their way there. I will be going down uh, at a time to be named later. I'm, I'm hoping to be there in time for the game. Um, I should be there in time for the game. What, what time we're leaving. And... Your boy is actually going to be sitting in the press box for this one. Locked on Use was awarded a credential, so a big milestone for the podcast. We'll have a couple more coming up in the next few days. I mentioned this on Twitter, but it's actually been a year as of, I believe, November 30th is when we were officially handed the keys uh, to the Locked on Utes podcast, or what was the Locked on Utes podcast. And uh, now, uh, coming up on the first year anniversary of our first episode together, so that'll be, I believe, next week is when that, that official one drops. This is all super very interesting information for you all. I'm certain of that. 
one thing I am actually certain of that will be of interest to you. It is stat time here on the podcast. We're going to talk about our good friend at Stats War on Twitter, a.k.a. Parker Fleming, the his government name out on the streets. Always providing us with the stat graph breakdown, whatever you want to call it, uh, courtesy of CFBGraphs.com. One of my uh, favorite follows on Twitter. He does an amazing job with advanced analytics and statistics, everything like that. Writes for Football Outsiders in addition to a plethora of other duties. And yes, El Huapo, I do believe he has a plethora of other duties. Um, it's an interesting week. Because as we're breaking down this game, I think there's a lot of, of, well, you can't, it's tough to beat a team twice. And that's true. Mostly because I think teams that are beaten once are beaten because it's something that the other side has either schematically unlocked or the other side is just better talent-wise. And a lot of times I think there are ways to scheme out of talent. Uh, I think there are ways to neutralize talent, and I think Utah, and and this is the juxtaposition of, I think the perfect uh, transition between what Urban Meyer is going through right now in the NFL and what he was going through in college, where his roster every week was just better than everybody else, so they could have fallible schemes and still execute and just go out in there and win, and and now you're having to actually scheme and really come up with unique ideas and and ways of running and building a team and building a culture and everything like that. And obviously he's not finding great success there. I listen, I, I stopped trying to predict things like that forever ago. I think um, there are plenty of people out there who want to share their opinions on that. Go ahead and ask them. I, I really don't know if he's going to be successful in the long run or not. What I do know is that with his Utah Oregon matchup, it, it's a little bit of both. I think the biggest problem that Oregon faces in this Utah football team is that there's not a quick fix for what Utah did to them. And uh, as you've listened to people break down the game and whatnot, it's obvious that the big question mark is, can Oregon do enough to overcome a 28 point uh, loss? Excuse me, not 28, uh, 31. Uh, sorry, 28 seconds in my head probably because it's halftime. is also the same number of points that the Utah basketball team scored. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. So the question is at this, um, what's changed in the, in the couple weeks? Anthony Brown obviously had a better game against Oregon State. Can he do the same against Utah? It's a good question. You know, how, how healthy will Utah be in this game? We saw a couple guys get nicked up towards the end. Utah, not 100%. There's no doubt about that. But if we take a look at the analytics across the course of a season in this matchup, a lot has changed for the Utes. Uh, the initial matchup, there was a lot more red on the board for Utah. And as, as we talk about uh, Parker and his, his graphs, red on the board is not great. Uh, you want it to be blue. And I know that hurts every Utah fan in a deep and personal way because nobody wants to concede that blue is any good, especially not UVU. Uh, but... In this circumstance, in this instance, let's go ahead and say that the darker shade on the board is a good thing for Utah. And and let's go ahead and hit the key statistics that we talk about a lot, right? EPA. And this is, again, the Oregon offense versus Utah's defense. EPA per rush. Oregon is at .225. That's right ninth in the country. 
Utah's ranked 73rd at .044. So what was the difference between uh, Oregon and, and Utah previously? Well, I think a lot of it was just Utah got the best of Oregon in the scheme. Uh, I've Run game is really interesting because I think every running play looks similar to most people. Uh, some people can see when you're pulling stuff, but you don't understand the intricacies and the differences of it, right? For for a while, their power was the big scheme. And the power is when you pull a guard and get him going downhill into the designed hole so that they lead up kind of like a fullback. And the reason that you like gap schemes or power schemes or counter schemes is because they give you better angles at it, right? So everybody who's pulling is coming around to catch a defender, hopefully off guard. And everybody who's in the target area for whoever it is that that's pulling is going down. And it's a lot easier to push a guy down. So, so for example, if I'm stepping down, then I'm going to attack a player on the shoulder. He's not going to have uh, a square uh, chance of, of blocking me that way because they're firing out. And so you get a lot more movement. Now, what's changed with some of that is, is how defenses align and how their fronts adjust. And if you know about techniques, you know, three, four, four, I, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, all that kind of stuff. We, we hear a lot of talk about wide nine. I think that was one thing that Kayvon Thibodeau it does a lot of at Oregon as he goes in that wide nine set. And Utah found a lot of success using the tight ends against him. So now, obviously, Oregon's going to try and, and flop that around. They don't want to use him as much in the wide nine and wait for Utah to flop the tight ends over. So the, these are all these counters that you have to do, right? So Utah did a good job stopping Oregon's rush attack uh, the first time around. So what's Oregon's counter? Well, they're going to try and scheme it differently this time. And that's where they're going to try and get that uh, EPA per rush up to where it was all season long. And, and in, in theory, as it says statistically, Utah should have not had any chance of it. Now, some things that are in the Utah's favor, uh, Oregon's echo rate is really good at 66.2%. Remember, echo rate is the uh, effectiveness or the percentage of which uh, your drive is effective when it's within the 40 yard. So how effective you are using the time that you have when your drive is at the 40 yard line going in to score. Uh, Oregon is at 66.2%. Uh, Utah's defense is at 50.7. So Utah's pretty good at, at keeping teams out of there. Now they're ranked 50th in the country. They could be higher. Uh, I'm not too worried about that. I, I think where I really get back to this is if you look at the offense versus the defense rate, and you can find this chart on Twitter, at uh, Stats of War. He only put up a couple this week because it's only conference championships. But if you look at it, it's Oregon's offense versus Utah's defense is uh, a lot of blue for Oregon versus a lot of blue, a light blue and some white for Utah. So it's a pretty even matchup. If you go down and look at Oregon's defense versus Utah's offense, it's no contest. It's Utah far and away. Uh, for example, points per echel, uh, Utah is ranked 24th in the country at 4.84. Uh, Oregon is allowing 5.09. That's 116th. So that means that every time that Utah is getting an effective drive, so from the four and in, they're going to score a whole lot more than Oregon's going to stop them. So we'll have to see if that happens, right? And the way that Utah's designed and built is to get good field position. And, and you know, Britton Covey in the punt game, we'll have to see how the special teams do. You have to imagine that it's going to be a point of emphasis for Oregon and all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot going for Utah in that regard um, that we'll have to wait and see. Uh, third and fourth down success, Utah's number two in the country at 57.84%. Oregon, defensively, is at 113, 50%. Uh, so the percentage of effectiveness on third and fourth down, uh, the success rate, however you want to call it, uh, it, it bent very completely in Utah's favor. Um, it, it's just a much more favorable matchup 
for Utah. Parker has them as a 62% uh, win probability, projecting them for 33 points. Oregon has a 37% win probability projected at 28 points, 20, 29 if you want to round up. So it's it's projected to be about a four-point game. The spread is three points. Uh, and if you look at the charts, it, it's very similar to uh, how the game was last time around. What I think you have to look at in terms of these games and, and these, these charts and everything like that is what's changed? How much has this scheme changed? And I don't know that there's too much that – Oregon can pivot away from that Utah doesn't have an answer for. What really it will come down to is can Utah's answer be just as effective and can they execute it at just a high, just as high a level uh, as they did previously? And if they can, then I think everybody needs to be planning a trip to Pasadena. And as long as you're planning things, you might as well go ahead and plan to get your perfect gift this holiday season from Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks, a personal favorite of your boy, Brian Brown here. Uh, One of my favorite companies. I'm so glad that they're back and working with us again. Last year, uh, Omaha Steaks hooked it up with the Merry Meatsmas for the Brown family. Uh, We had to socially distance. Uh, It was just me me and the folks. Uh, so we decided to go all out and Omaha steaks was great in helping that. I think it's the only story I've ever put together on Instagram that actually was worth anything. Uh, but it was great because they just sent all the meat here. Uh, some of the best cuts that you can find, everything was ready to go. Didn't have to do a lot of trimming. Didn't have to do a lot of hunting or digging. Just put everything together, started cooking it. And by the time, uh, Christmas dinner rolled around, we had a, uh, plethora you know, seems to be the word of the day here on the podcast of just absolutely mouthwatering meats. And as you know, as we all know, the holidays are around the corner. Finding the perfect gift can be tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Give the gift of a meats, merry meats miss to your own friends and family. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter college into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. So it's not a slash. You just go to omahasteaks.com, type in the word college in the search bar, and it should pull up the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entries like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons, chicken breasts, side desserts, and so much more. When you use the code COLLEGE, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. Nothing better to get you through the holidays than some uh, fresh, juicy, delicious Omaha Steaks burgers. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. You'll get eight free burgers. That might feed uh, an entire family around here when entering the code COLLEGE. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. OmahaSteaks.com. Search in the keyword college. Welcome back to the Locked On Youths podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Youths your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. And while it is a game week and a very important game week, uh, we all know that the lifeblood, the true game of college football is recruiting. So wanted to provide a couple of recruiting updates. One big one, Ryan Peppin's recent commitment, wide receiver, uh, was awarded the Class 7A MVP. He had 200-plus yards and two TDs in his state championship game. Uh, quite the uh, accomplishment for Peppins. 
Uh, Peppins, again, was a late pickup. The uh, um, wide receiver was previously committed, flipped to Utah from Western Kentucky. And uh, that's a pretty impressive step for him to be named his MVP. Uh, Again, 200-plus yards, two TDs in the championship game. And he is a guy that's been doing it for a while now uh, out of Thompson High School in Alabaster, Alabama. So you know that if he's doing it in 7A in Alabama, there's something to that. Uh, If you haven't seen his film yet, very shifty, very uh, explosive. He's got a lot of twitch to him. Um, I think there's still some, some room for him to improve a lot as well. But to do 200-plus yards and two TDs in a championship game when you're 7A uh, MVP, that's a great little uh, accomplishment for him. Another uh, very important recruit in this cycle, Tyler Knack. Um, Knack Nasty um, from Brighton High School, a local kid. He's had an interesting recruitment. And I'll tell you a little story. Steve Bartle and I are at Brighton. Two years ago, uh, this was back when COVID, or not not two years ago, but not this fall, but last fall. So 2020, let's lay it out like that. And we're watching Brighton, obviously, because it's Lander Barton. And uh, there's this kid on the defensive side of the football that I keep watching. I'm like, man, this kid's a monster. Just look at him. He's huge. If he grows into that frame a little bit, man, he could really be something. And I asked somebody, I was like, hey, what, you know, how old is that kid? And they said, oh, he's just a sophomore. So I'm like, oh, okay. So he'll pop up on the radar soon. There's actually another tackle for Brighton that we were looking at. And uh, Jacob Reese, I think he's a D1 kid. I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that he's going to Utah State. But kept watching this kid on the defensive side of the football. I'm like, man, he would look really good. You know, I I hope they switch him to tackle at some point because he's just got this frame, man. and, And he's aggressive. And uh, sure enough, uh, I don't get out to watch Brighton for a little bit. I'm trying to scout out some other dudes because um, I've seen a lot of Lander. And look, I, it, it's not hard to figure out what Lander's got. And I kind of knew what Brighton had as well. So I don't watch a ton of it. And all of a sudden, I keep hearing these people talk about this left tackle that Brighton's got. Have you seen him play? Have you seen him play? I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen him play. He's, you know, he's okay. He's a dude. Um, and I had no idea that it was they'd swap Jacob Reese to right and put Tyler Knack on the on the offensive side of the football and he just started blowing up. And so he is a late bloomer for sure. Uh, senior, not a sophomore as I was told. So I always vet that information. Uh, and sometimes it can be hard with max preps and stuff like that. I'm making excuses. There's no excuse for me not doing my due diligence out there at Brighton high school. Uh, shout out to the Bengals, but he has become one of the top recruits in the state and he has a lot of potential. I like him a lot in terms of uh, his length. Uh, he moves decently well. He has actually a pretty good bend for his size. He's got those long arms. He's very aggressive, and I know a lot of people like that. I, I kind of he reminds me a lot of Dustin Hensel, who was the right tackle for Utah on that 2008 undefeated team. And I think he's got a higher ceiling than that as well. Uh, just I recently had a visit this weekend up at the University of Utah, and I think the biggest question has been, you know, where does Utah stand, and and how do they like him? But Knack has some interesting th- things to say, and you'll want to go read the article there on Utahzone.com. As I've said, now is the time to sign up. It's a dollar for the month. Just go pay your dollar, create the email account, and get all the good information that Steve Bartle's dropping on there. Uh, He's been on a couple trips already, but he is 6'7", 300 pounds. Uh, he has just excellent side, long long wingspan, everything like that, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think some of the stuff that, that people have confused about why Utah wasn't in on him earlier, uh, they've been in on him. It's just 
again, recruiting is this game, okay? And so everything that you see happening is not always what's happening behind the scenes. I think the best example of that is uh, Jackson Dart. And I don't want to talk about it anymore because I think it's been, look, people have their opinions. They're setting their opinions. You're either on on one side of this or the other. I know uh, from both sides and, and, my sources on both sides are, are really excellent on this, so I'm pretty confident that I think it was a tug of war of, as much of anything in terms of did he really want to go to Utah or did he just want the Utah offer? Uh, you know, and, and you're going to hear everybody talk about it. That's part of why Utah is doing things the way that they're doing now. They're in a rough spot with in-state recruiting because every time they offer a kid, now listen. You may think I'm kidding here, but Carson Tabarachi got a Utah offer and then an hour later got an offer from USC. And there are programs out there that can afford to be flipping with offers. Cough, cough, Arizona State. I wonder why. You know, because they're doing things differently than Utah. Uh, you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can interpret whatever you want into that. And so Utah is getting in contact with a lot of these kids, keeping up relationships. They are doing their due diligence. They aren't always offering kids. Now that to the to the outsider's perspective sounds like a mistake, but remember offers come in a variety of, of situations, right? Like the official offer, the official announcement don't always coincide. And so I think one thing to remember with NAC, when you're looking at it and looking at the offer timeline the official offer and the official aspect of it is not always what it seems. Okay. So keep that kind of stuff in mind. He's talked a lot, very profusely about uh, how good Utah has been to him, how, how consistently they've been in contact with him, how long they've been in contact with him for. So just remember that it's not always about the offer date. Sometimes it's about uh, how a program goes around and talking to a player. So Utah on pace to wrap up a really, really strong class. It's my favorite time uh, of year because you're seeing all these coaches out on home visits and everything like that. And the best thing in your back pocket if you're Utah is you just send all those recruits a note saying, hey, we're out here about to win a conference championship. We'll see you next week. And you will see Utah just blanket visits out on the road next week. It's going to be a barrage. They're going to be. Uh, full gear, and this is a good class, and it's turning into an even better class. And I think as they start to really close some things, it's going to be uh, it's going to be dynamite. And and I just I trust Utah's recruiting. They've figured it out. They, they've mimicked how they do things in recruiting with how they do things on the field and in the practice realm. And so I think that this is going to be another strong close, and I think there are going to be a lot of positive uh, updates as, as this thing trends forward. Knack will still have one more visit left. He was visiting Utah last week, and he'll visit USC again, and then I believe that Utah will have an opportunity to close with him uh, in person. So we'll see what happens with Tyler. I, I think that things are in a positive uh, direction for him. I, he, you know, the, the early signs are good, so we'll just put it like that. Um, in terms of other recruits, uh, silence might be a good thing with this one. So if you're not hearing a ton about Utah, still, that's maybe not the worst thing. Uh, I will say this. Jalen Glover um, finally getting his ratings bumped to an 87. Uh, that still seems a little bit low. And I'd imagine that once he uh, finally finishes out his season that he'll um, get another bump as well once the evaluations start to come in. 
Um, I I would expect him to go ninety. He'll be a four star, without about uh without a doubt. His numbers uh, have been just absolutely uh, incredible uh, in terms of what he's done this season. So uh, shout out to Jalen Glover. 175 yards rushing and two TDs in his semifinal game. Uh, he's had some very impressive numbers, some very impressive uh, games. Had 225 yards uh, in the playoff game previous. And, um, you know, Lake Gibson is on to the uh, the championship game in 7A in Florida, and it's primarily been on the back of Jalen Glover. So shout out to him. He is a very impressive impressive back that should be one that Utah fans should be very excited about I've heard that both he and Nate Johnson the quarterback commitment from uh, California have been very active in trying to get other guys to come to Utah I'll just give you some numbers real quick his prep career will come to a close with 5,612 yards 75 touchdowns and an average of 140.3 yards per game in just 40 games Uh, that's really really impressive considering who he's playing against there in Florida. So uh, huge shout-out to Jalen Glover. I think he'll be probably the crown jewel of this uh, recruiting class. And that's not a bad thing, uh, not in my book anyways. But you don't always have to check my book for those kinds of things. You can always go to Bet Online. They have you covered it all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues to march to the playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Utah fans, we know that you like it when your team gets it done. And that's why today I wanted to talk to you about Intercap because Intercap gets deals done. There's a reason that no lender helps more families in Utah with their mortgage needs. It is the quick and simple process that Intercap uses to close loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And though fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process. And that is what Locked On Utes personal loan officer Steve Carter has delivered to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far, including network founder david Locke, and you know that if steve carter can close a loan for david Locke and do it on time and do it fast and and stress-free that he can do it for anybody intercap is new to the locked on utes podcast but it is not new they've been around assisting customers with all their mortgage needs since 1978 that's over 43 years of experience and steve carter has been providing our Locked On listeners with the best experience since 2018. Intercap is headquartered here in Utah, but licensed to help with all your mortgage needs in 40 different states. Give Steve a call. His direct number is 385-800-8528. You will not find a more responsive loan officer. Again, that number is 385-800-8528. Give Steve Carter a call. Tell him that you heard about him on Locked On Utes podcast. Steve Carter with Intercap Lending, that number one last time, 385-800-8528. That's Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Closing out a Thursday edition here on the Locked on Utes podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Even when I'm riding solo, I know it's a lot more fun when Cole and Sammy and Jake are on. 
uh, I know lately it's just been all requests for Jake to come back. So appreciate everybody shouting that out. Appreciate you guys listening and you guys and gals, I should say. I know that I'm blown away and I think it just speaks to the awesome fan base and the awesome people that we have, the number of female listeners that we have. I'm doing my best to try and make you a little bit smarter every single day, but I think we all know that that's a, uh, um, I'm at a competitive disadvantage when it comes to that. Very thankful for all your comments and everything like that. Wanted to at least wrap up this show with a small recap of what happened in, in Southern California. Uh, no, I'm not about to talk about Lincoln Riley and the hire there. Uh, Utah played the basketball game down at USC, and this one was not going to be close. If Well, I shouldn't say it like that. This one was uh, – USC was a strong favorite. I believe they were a seven-point favorite uh, going into the game. But once Brandon Carlson went down in the first half, that probably was the end of any opportunity Utah had to really – uh, either stay competitive with USC and or uh, win this game, it got ugly. And this is going to be the case for Utah a lot of games. They're going to stay in things by being tough defensively, by rebounding and, and pushing the ball and playing hard. But offense is going to be a bugaboo. And it, without Brandon Carlson, who is without a doubt the best player. Now, I've talked a lot about Raleigh Wooster in articles and whatnot. I love Wooster. I think he's a great player. But uh, Carlson is without a doubt the best uh, player that you have. Uh, if they shoot 38% from the field, if they continue to have these two- and three-minute droughts of, of offensive lack of production, they're going to lose a lot of these games. Uh, the biggest thing, I think, for uh, for Utah, it was 35-22 uh, to 22 defensive rebounding advantage, 51-32 uh, total rebound advantage for USC. Uh, Trojans did not shoot well from the free throw line that kept Utah in it. They also picked up the shooting from the three-point line after missing a few early ones. Shot 37% overall. Not great, but not bad. We'll take it, I think, uh, compared to the 38% from the field. Not, you know... Uh, that's that's tough. Uh, USC shot 52%, 36 of 69. Nice. Um, but the biggest thing is just it was uh, it came down to rebounding. It came down to bench points. Uh, USC had 20. Utah had 8. And Utah just didn't have a lot of depth in this game. Uh, all you need to do is look at the fact that uh, Eli Ballstead played in this game. Um, and, and he should only be playing in cases of blowouts. Uh, and if you look at... The, the minutes for guys played, uh, David Jenkins Jr., a rough night for him, 5 of 12 from the field. He did uh, light it up a little bit more in the second half, uh, had 5 of 9 from 3 for 21 points total as Utah kind of mounted that comeback. Booth Gotch finally turned it up quite a bit, 10 of 14 from the field for 28 points and 4 rebounds, a much better game for Booth. Good to see him step in with 31 minutes. Uh, Riley Batten, 10 points. Uh, again, it, Brandon Carlson going out was just so detrimental to Utah. They just have no depth in the uh, in the front court without him. So Lahatchun had to step in, played a ton of minutes, 25 minutes, and and you're starting to see him get the uh, get the gist of things. Uh, the hard part about it is if you have a guy like uh, Lazar Stefanovic playing 26 minutes in the front court, that that's a real tough matchup for Utah. He's much better and much more versatile at the wing. So... We'll see what happens. This program's got to get some health. Uh, you can't have all your big dudes down. Uh, you can't have uh, – they were already kind of thin up front in terms of number of p- front court players. 
so this one just stings quite a bit, I think. But the good news is you can get some guys rested. You can get some guys healthy. It does sound like Dushan is, is not going to be out for the season. So that's somewhat good news. Uh, but Brandon Carlson, boy, do they need him healthy. Uh, twisted ankle is all that I was able to find out. So we'll see how bad it is and hope for the best. Uh, shout out to the headband, man, because he has been playing great. He's been playing hard. He's been a big reason that this team has done so well. Uh, if you can get the kind of effort that Booth and David Jenkins put in, uh, in addition to Brandon Carlson, now all of a sudden you're cooking with Greece. And this is a really, really good Pac-12 conference. I think there's a lot of good teams. UCLA, I think Arizona is going to be a much better team than maybe people expected. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of Washington State I think is a good squad. We'll see what Oregon State does. Uh, there's just This is going to be a good basketball conference, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully Utah can get some health and get some big guys rolling and, and really uh, find some rotation and find some um, – find some guys you know I, I think marco anthony would help this team a lot as well just a very versatile guy so shout out to the running youths the effort was definitely there uh the uh depth and and players just simply were not and so uh finally in that one 93 73 we will keep you apprised of all basketball situations as best we can um uh, that's it for me today. Uh, I will be on the road traveling at some point, so you may not get an episode exactly when you're used to uh, coming up on Friday, but we'll try and figure out something cool to do with that um, and, and get something posted. So uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in, for listening, for for following us and whatnot. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, you, we know you make Locked On Utes your first listen every day. Make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for December 2nd, 2021, and we will talk to you again later this week.